0: I'm much more realistic than I was when I was a teenager. And that happens with life experience when you go through dark stuff or hard stuff or brilliant stuff. That was the brilliant Fern Cotton, today's guest and founder of
1: Happy Place. And this is I Am, I Have, the podcast by Happerful and Counseling Directory. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to let you know a little more about what we're doing here at Happerful. As well as producing our monthly magazine dedicated to mental health and well-being, Happerful now has a free app so that you can find support groups and local trusted therapists to help you online, over the phone, and when the time is right again, face-to-face. You can also read our magazine for free via the app, and it's downloadable from Apple's App Store or Google Play. Back to today's podcast. Recently, we've been doing things a little differently due to the current situation across the world with coronavirus. But today we return to I Am, I Have as usual, although the current circumstances are far from normal. We'll explore that while we all have mental health and some of us experience or live with mental illness, it doesn't define us. We'll talk to guests about the challenges and passions that shape their lives, as well as their own reflections on mental health. So, on to today's very special episode of I Am, I Have. It's such a pleasure to welcome Fern Cotton, founder of Happy Place and so much more on I Am, I Have. Thank you so much for coming on today. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we always ask everyone to introduce themselves in their own words. So can you tell us what people should know about you?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, I guess I should say all the things that people um, don't know about me. I usually in my real life go by the name of Fern Wood because I'm married and I am an introvert, that might surprise you. I love time on my own. Uh, I'm a bookworm, I love painting, Uh, I hate going out. I don't like, I'm not very good at fun and I love working and my family. Should have said that in the other order. I love my family and working. You can say it in whatever order you fancy today. <laughs> and we've just
1: been talking because we're in lockdown at the moment. It's raining outside. I think it's fair to say we've both slightly had enough of lockdown today. But how are you doing generally,
0: Fern, with, with lockdown and, and all yeah. the changes it's brought? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it, I wouldn't even say it's like good bad, good days and bad days. It's like good minutes and bad minutes. Like five minutes, you know... I'll feel amazing and like I'm nailing this, I'm working and I'm parenting and the laundry's not so bad. And then five minutes later, everything is just going so tits up and I feel like I can't deal with another second of it. So it's just really extreme in both ways and um, ever undulating. So I'm just trying to be in the moment because if I think about how many like podcasts we've got to record and how many things are coming up and this homeschooling and how I'm always behind on that like massively I will cry so I just go right what's going on right now and then okay what's happening in the next half an hour chunk and just otherwise you know I think for all of us we'll go insane otherwise. I think that's amazing advice
1: actually is to not look too far ahead with this and to just go kind of half an hour or an hour at
0: a time. Um, Yeah, because we don't know we we don't know when it's going to end and also the interesting thing is the thing that I think it's brought to the forefront uh, of our minds, or it may do so, is we all feel a bit weird and shaken because we don't know when this is going to end, and we don't, and we feel like everything is like. How many times have you heard the word uncertain in the last six weeks? But that's life normally. We think we know what's happening normally and like, oh, I've booked a holiday or oh, I've got work on Monday, but we don't really know what's in the future, or what's happening. So this has just made us acutely aware of it. And that's why we all feel weird. But it's no different to normal. We don't ever know what's going on. So that's the sort of strange part of it. I think that we're all trying to wrap our heads around.
1: I agree and I think it's maybe because we're more contained but what you've described is I read earlier on today someone who called it the corona coaster Um, Mm. of emotions so the idea that we kind of go up and down and some days quite often if I'm working I almost forget what's going on and then I kind of lift my
0: head back up again and and see the news and see what's happening. Same, I think we can all be in a little bubble um, if we so choose and I mean, it's been a weird one for our family. I I won't go into too many details because of people's privacy, but for Jesse's side of the family, there's definitely been a lot going on recently and you couldn't avoid knowing about the coronavirus because it was sort of affecting the family um, at one point. And, um, And there's still sort of stuff rumbling along. So we were kind of in the thick of it at one point. And then it all seemed kind of, we got in a bit of a family bubble of homeschool and juggling everything but one of my very good friends is uh, is volunteering at a hospital in London, and I keep checking in with her and just saying, you know, if I feel like I'm in a bit of a bubble, like, right, I feel in a bit of a family bubble today, what is going on for you today at that hospital? You know, has it leveled out? How bad is it? And it's good to kind of check in with what is really happening and, and, um, and how it's affecting. I mean, I'm only speaking to a volunteer at one hospital, but... I think it still helps to gauge where we're at with it a little more than getting bogged down by the news that's so uh, fearful a lot of the time. I agree, that personal
1: connection with mm. someone who perhaps is is working on the front line, as it were, is, is really important. And also um, kind of counting our blessings at this time as well oh of, of the things that we do have, which it can be hard sometimes when we get stuck in our bubbles not to... Not to feel like we're we're trapped, but actually we are so lucky.
0: We are. You know, if you're trapped in your home, you're lucky in the fact that you've got a home. Do you know what I mean? I, I've been really grateful for every basic thing since this started. And I've been really trying to like go to bed and go every night. I'm really grateful for the food I ate, having a, you know, nice warm duvet, etc. Because you know there are people going through horrific things and I know people that are right now and it's not nice and I think it's a good thing to do whether you're we're in a global pandemic or not is just to have gratitude for the basic things and if anything this has just kind of accelerated that for all of us I think. I think so too and and that moment
1: of reflection is is one of the things that we'll talk about today because before talking to you, I picked up my copy of Quiet again um, <clears throat> and started oh, to, to read through that and actually it feels, it feels like it's really appropriate for this time of, of reflection as well. And we're going to talk today about a couple of your I am's and, and the first one um, is a reflection for you, which is you say that you are a perfectionist and I, oh. I wondered how that's working for you in lockdown.
0: Yeah, not so well. <laughs> um, yeah, I. it's one of the things that, it's been my sort of greatest uh, gift, yet also my nemesis, I think, all throughout my life, because I love to work hard and do things to the best of my ability. I don't like doing things 70%, 60% sort of effort or passion, because I just think it's a waste. What's the point? And there are some times, especially in my working life where I don't, or historically I haven't loved what I'm doing and I've only given it 60% and I felt really flat and miserable about that. Whereas all of the work that I do with Happy Place, I'm so lucky that I love it so much. I could never put anything other than 100% in because I just want it to work and I want to see good results and people feeling connected to staff hopefully being helped a little and that feels amazing um, but it's annoying in us as- in aspects of my life you know I'm a bit of a neat freak and at the moment I've got to let that one go because all I can see on the floor is Lego and clothes and my kids did art all afternoon because it was raining oh my god I cannot wait for my house to not look how it looks at the moment it's horrific and it It bugs me. And sometimes I will like try and clean the whole kitchen before I go to bed just because I can't bear it. And then I'm even more knackered and it's like, I just have to let go a bit. Um, And perfectionism does tie me in knots because sometimes, you know, I've had real problems with anxiety and panic attacks over the years. And I think a lot of that, well, all of it's to do with work, even if that's, even if that wasn't the catalyst, because that wasn't the catalyst, but it is now a trigger for it. And I think mostly it's because, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, and I want to do it well. So there's a panic that I won't, or I'll cock up. And if I cock up, everything goes. So um, it's, I, can't, I could never just turn up half-assed or something. It just wouldn't suit me. So I, I have to find a happy medium at the moment because everything's different, so I have to try and adapt. So it's, it's been an interesting personal experience and experiment. And you said those words, let it go, um, which I know isn't easy
1: if you have perfectionist tendencies. Um, And how do you work on letting it go? I mean, we've seen you posting, um, being with the kids, trying to juggle putting and washing. You posted something brilliant um, about your husband last week having a fainting moment when he was trying to put (laughs) something up with the kids. So we've kind of seen the... the the domestic moments of both fun and kind of frustration if you like so how are you Mm. managing to let it go
0: so my new I guess sort of mantra or thought process when things have felt really overwhelming because there have been like I've had to make a lot of really well they're not crucial if if you say you know I'm not my job isn't as important as being a doctor or nurse right now it's nowhere near it doesn't you can't even compare but i've had to make crucial decisions within my little small world that have felt quite big and frustrating and i've had a lot of indecision about things and i've been really stressed about things and and then then the house is a massive mess and then i'm behind on the kids schooling and it all piles up once one thing starts to go wrong and i've got to a point where when i'm in that state i just go You just have to surrender to it. Like, what if it all goes tits up? Does it really matter? Like, just surrender and just stop getting in this spiral of despair. So that's been my kind of lockdown go-to is just, just surrender. If it all goes wrong, it goes wrong. There are people dealing with far worse, people in my life who are dealing with far worse right now. Just surrender and just don't worry about it. And if you let people down, you let people down. If things go a bit wrong, they go a bit wrong. If the house is a shithole, it's a shithole. So I'm learning to do that one. I've by no means nailed it, but I'm desperately trying to to get into that frame of mind. I understand that. And is there any comfort in the fact that lots
1: of people are in that situation as well, where they're not able to, you know, you said I'm letting people down because I'm sure you're not, but things have had to change because... Because the world has yeah. changed, so does that help yeah. at
0: all? Yeah, it it has. If you are but I had to sort of remind myself of that. Because so we're at Happy Place we have. Um, I've just been visited by a cat. Hello, Tallulah. Um, if so, at, at Happy Place we have this like wonderful team of people that that help you know put everything together, like the festivals and future plan, and and look at different areas of where we could head next. And there was a lot of sort of emailing back and forth. This is right at the beginning of lockdown and we're doing this and we're starting that and can you make a decision about this by tomorrow? And I was just like, oh my God, I can't make decisions. I'm so overwhelmed. And there are a few other um, team members who have kids. And I thought, I'm gonna email them off the record on a kind of non-happy place tip and just say, how are you coping with this? Cause I'm not dealing so well. And all of them went, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I sacked off the Joe Wicks workout after day two. I can't keep my house tidy. I haven't brushed my hair in a week. And I was like, thank God, right. So shall we decide as parents rather than in the work capacity that this has all got a bit hectic and we need to delay a few things here. So because I sort of checked in with them and they felt happy to be honest with me, we were able to then, that kind of gave me a, because I felt like, oh, they're all coping. Why can I not cope right now? So I think actually just sort of checking in with them and and hearing from them in a non-work capacity did make me feel a lot better. And it's kind of why I posted that silly little video the other day on Instagram of me with 8,000 piles of laundry and Rex winding me up using my phone to film me. Um was because there is this weird myth still that like, you know, inside lockdown but also out of it. Perhaps people in the public eye, or perhaps people who do a certain job, um, are sort of unaffected. And it's like, I'm certainly not affected like a frontline NHS worker, um, or like my cousin, who is a teacher who is, you know, still going into work and feeling a bit anxious about what that means. Um, but I, you know, I, I am dealing with being trapped in a house with two kids 24 seven and my son has night terrors so we're not sleeping. And and I hope that does make people feel better. You know, showing the shit bits that are tricky and no different to anyone else. Uh, Cause the, my work stuff might be very different because I love my job and I count my blessings every day. But that doesn't negate the fact that Rex wakes up five times a night screaming for me or the fact that I haven't done laundry all day today and I'm dreading going down to check out what's in that laundry bin in a minute you know that's all still there so I think it does help to just be honest because if you're posting perfection all the time on Instagram that's going to make people feel less than I think. I think so too and I think when you see other people who are
1: having those very real experiences it just helps it just helps sometimes as does actually the veil has been lifted a little bit in the workplaces by seeing people in their natural environments you know and Um, a cat walking across the screen or a a child coming in and I think I think that's this has made us pause a little bit on on some of that kind of let's charge full steam ahead because actually we're seeing more of the human
0: part of each of us completely we dehumanize people constantly and I I imagine that our phones are part of the problem because we uh, see other people through email and Instagram or WhatsApp or voice notes without the human element and I think you know like you say perhaps this has lifted the veil slightly and we have been able to see people as homely people in their homes with their families or or on their own with their pets and and it's it it softens everything I think a little and that's that's a really good thing um so yeah I think there have there have been some pluses from this that we can that I really hope we take away and I really hope we stick to post lockdown. Me too. I hope that softness stays
1: in the way that we yeah. think about each other and the way we consider each other. Oh. And I'm going to move on to your next, I am, which is far from soft. It's about the fact that you are very
0: hard on yourself. Can you talk to us about what that oh, means yes. for you? Well, I think part of it's because I'm a perfectionist. So I imagine an element of it has always been there, but... I do think that the majority of it has come from the fact that I've had outside opinion in my life en masse since I was 15. So for much more than half my life, I've had, um, or more than half my life, I've had this, um, you know, really unusual view of myself and, um, and also this horrible ability to second guess what everyone might say in all varying degrees of good, bad, and ugly. So you become very, very overly self-aware in a negative way at first. And I'm possibly coming out the other side of that to some extent at this point in my life, because I care a lot less. But I think it has made me very hard on myself. And from a young age, I was exposed to lots of high achieving people. I was working with adults predominantly from 15 onwards who were doing, you know, amazingly at work and creating goals and achieving them. And And I think I, I wanted to match up to everyone constantly and, and feel like I was, um, you know, striving and always doing my best. And I do find that bit hard to drop. So if I don't, if I have a day where I don't achieve anything or, you know a work thing doesn't go to plan or I've been snappy at Jesse or impatient with the kids I really mentally beat myself up about it and um that's no good to anyone and I'm I constantly have to work at that one. I am by no means anywhere near um mitigating that it's um it's a big problem for me in an emotional sense um And I I do it constantly. You know, I walk away from most podcasts going, you know, even if it was like the best episode I've ever done, I'll go, oh, wow. I wonder what people think of when I said that. Or should I have done that? Or maybe I could have researched that better. I've never walked away from any job thinking, yeah, that was perfect. Done. Ever. And um, it's good in a way because it keeps me motivated to to try again. But I rarely, rarely, uh, well, have possibly never celebrated any of the good bits um I haven't given myself the time I think that's a bit of a shame sometimes you know I've never been one of those people that's like my book was published today let's crack open the champs I'm like I don't deserve to have champagne what's that about it's ridiculous I'm gonna think about what I'm bloody gonna write next you know so I I've never I've just seen my cat jump on my pile of clean laundry brilliant Tallulah Tallulah Oh, God. Uh, anyway, um, that's my clothes that I'm wearing tomorrow for filming. Brilliant. Um, so, yeah, I think it is uh, It is problematic and something I need to look at because I do need to be kinder to myself and celebrate the good bits. Um, I just don't know how. I can
1: imagine as well because you said you obviously started your career at 15 and you've done TV, you've done radio, books. There's been a whole lot of different projects and a massive amount of things you've worked on when people usually enter the workplace they might have a manager or a mentor or someone who's able to along the way kind of reflect their progress and give them appraisals I would imagine although you have teams as a as a kind of um from when you were very young to now you don't have that same structure so perhaps you don't get that same feedback
0: yeah It's funny because I was really fortunate, me and Reggie were both really fortunate that when we started our career, we were um, hired by these two brilliant people who are still in our lives today and mean a lot to us called Billy and Maddie. Uh, And they run a production company called Daryl McQueen. And um, so from 15 to 19, I was massively protected. I was given good feedback. I was encouraged. I was looked after. Um, I wasn't exposed to the nasty side of the industry at all. But then when I left that safe haven of kids TV and went to do Top of the Pops and Radio One and I did the original incarnation of Love Island and all sorts of TV shows that was wildly different to how Love Island is today. Um, It was a shock and no one's looking out for you. No one. And... Uh, everybody either wants something from you or is happy to discard you immediately. And that's still the case today, hence why I've had to create my own little safe haven, which is my happy place world with a team that I love and trust who will give me honest feedback and I can talk to at length or, you know, cry down the phone to or whatever it might need to be or, you know, have a brilliant brainstorm with. But outside of that, it's no less sharky than it was when I was 19. You know, I get, I've been ditched from projects this year without even being told on email. That's happened this year. That is still the case. No one gives a toss about you. And I'm not saying they should, but it is quite a bizarre industry in the fact that you are so disposable um, if you're not one of the very few, hugely successful TV talents, say, that, are sort of omnipresent on our screens, I think they probably have a little bit more comfort and they've got, you know, that they're associated with a channel or whatnot. But for someone that's freelance and does a bit of everything, nobody cares at all. And you do have to be emotionally self-sufficient and find a few tools or like me, therapy or counseling, healing, all sorts of things I love trying. because it's so weird. Sounds like such a, such a hard weird industry. environment to be in. A hard it is. Yeah. And I'm sensitive. I'm not tough skin. There's loads of thick skin people out there in my industry. I am not one of them. I am very sensitive and I'm resilient in the fact that I'll pick myself a hell back up again and I will try again, but I will feel upset, dejected, um disposable or faulty at worst I will feel like they're right and I there is something wrong with me that's always my go-to is oh they're right I am crap or whatever so it is and it's you know it's not someone saying your work is bad they're saying you are bad because it's you your personality you as a human so it's an extra level of uh stuff to deal with there but um but I don't have to deal with that with Happy Place because I'm just connecting with people that I like and I'm working with people that I like and I'm interviewing people that I like and the audience are letting me know what they like and it just feels very genuine. So that's been the biggest game changer really um, in my sort of mental health and a work capacity is getting my own, getting auto- autonomy back. And I just wanted to say that when you talked about the Happy Place team earlier on, your face changed completely.
1: You smiled really broadly. And I think it's nice for them to, they can't see it, but to hear it, that it obviously does make such a big difference to have that that group that,
0: that you have. They're incredible, incredible. It's like everyone specializes in something and they get it and they get what, happy places and they get where we're heading with it and it's it feels exciting it feels really exciting and I I lost that for a long while in my career so it's really lovely to have that genuine fire in your belly again. That's wonderful and I was at the Happy Place Festival last year
1: and it was just such a lovely weekend and I spoke to so many people and everybody just oh, wanted to I'm chat so it, was, it was it was really lovely I'm so glad and so much creativity going on there which yes which was a very blunt way as well of leading into your next I am which is that you are very creative and in your book happy you talk about the fact that painting ignites the dreamer in you and cooking
0: is like your meditation so tell us more about yeah. that I mean, cooking has become less my meditation during lockdown. I'm like, I can't be asked to cook again. But um, on a regular Sunday, yeah, I love it. But art is something I adore. And just before lockdown, I started properly painting again because I love doing portrait painting just from photographs. And before I had kids, I'd I'd paint religiously. And it was, you know, I would happily, as I said, I'm a bit of an introvert. So I'd rather be on my own at home than have a house full of people. I mean, I've had brilliant house parties in the past but there are no more but I used to really love painting portraits on my own and um and then after having kids I I literally did zero painting I did the illustrations in the books happy calm and quiet but I I haven't painted in years and then just before lockdown I was like right honey's doing longer nursery hours I can do this again so I did my first portrait I was really happy with it uh and then I was planning to do my next one and then you know and now this so I mean boohoo poor me. But it was, you know, that that artistic um revival got canned quite early there. But hopefully I'll get back into it down the line when the kids are back at school because it it makes me just feel very um content, I guess. And and I like creating. I like the notion of creating. I like how it makes me feel. It's better than than anything. So it's something I desperately need in my life. And you said that earlier on today you were painting, because it's a very rainy day today, you were painting with the
1: kids downstairs. Do you enjoy that kind of group creativity altogether?
0: I do, because I see the kids flourish. I, you know, I'm not one of those mums that's like, maybe I should be, but like, you've you got to sit down, you've got to do your maths, or we've got to get you reading. Like, Rex hates reading, which like, it pains me because I'm a bookworm, but. I can't force him to do that, whereas he is the most amazing pianist. He's so talented. He's only seven. He can hear a song and play it like I'm mesmerized. So for him to sit at the piano and do that or for us just to draw, they both love drawing and creating. They're happy and they're not stressed out. And I'm not banging my head against the wall, begging them to read or begging them to do the you know 3D shapes you're meant to be writing about or whatever. I just think at the moment, let's just make sure that they're enjoying it. And, and they love creating and they love art and Rex made a jellyfish out of an old cup and pipe cleaners earlier and it was brilliant and I thought good on you that came out of your head and you did that and made that, that's your creation so I'm all for encouraging that and making sure that that is always in their life in in some form and you know we'll deal with the reading down the line yeah, I think it's not
1: normal circumstances, is it? And if we can if we can allow for some creativity and some downtime and learning about each other within this time, that's that's one of the best things we can do, I think. I think so. Yeah. I think so. We're going to move on to what I have, which is I have found my perspective of life has widened with age.
0: It's kind of an obvious one because I think for most people it does, but I can very clearly see back um, to my teens or in my 20s where, you know, my teens was all about this dream of like being in this industry and and making it and everything that I thought that would be. And it was all very dreamlike and things were happening, which was really exciting. And it was a very positive, lovely period. And then my 20s were kind of a reaction against that, like, right, I need to be wild. I need to, you know, shed this skin. I need people to think I'm interesting and not you know, nerdy. I felt very nerdy. So let's try and be cool and let's be edgy and let's push boundaries. And it was all about, you know, wanting this roller coaster of emotions and wanting the extremes. And and then I just gone, God sod that I don't want any of that anymore. I don't want that drama. But I'm much more realistic than I was when I was a teenager. And that happens with life experience when you go through dark stuff or hard stuff or brilliant stuff. And for me, obviously, motherhood's been a big game changer as well. And um, I just don't... There are things that have, you know, greatly changed. I don't see success in the same way that I used to. And I don't see, um, I guess, family in the same way that I used to or friendship in the same way. Everything sort of shifted into a more positive space, more, most definitely, or a more genuine space. And um, my values are in a very different area to to what they previously were. Um, And I don't mind that I'm very quiet at home and, like, being here. And, like, the one thing lockdown hasn't, you know, brought up for me is, oh, I'm so desperate to go out. I'm loving being at home. (laughs) I hate going out. That bit for me is not a problem. I don't even feel any different in that sense like I hate having to go into London to go to work I hate the busyness I hate the rushing I hate everything about it I feel stressed when I get home I love working from home I love being at home I love pottering around you know making the beds changing a room around I love being at home so I used to hate that side of myself and think it was very dull and boring and think oh why aren't I more sort of vivacious and fun and dynamics. I'm not. And that's okay. So I think I've just learned to accept a lot of stuff about myself and be fine with it. And I love
1: that and it's something, you have a new um, season of Happy Place and I listened to the episode with Ricky Gervais after I stopped crying from watching Afterlife. Oh, it's the best show. I mean, it's amazing, but I I had to stuff, my husband fell asleep on the sofa, how dare he, but I had to
0: stuff a pillow against my face because I was sobbing because it... That last episode, I've never cried so much. I mean, I hurt. That last line killed me. I was like... Oh my god, this is perfect! It's the perfect ending. It was it was unripped tears, so many tears. I mean, if you
1: haven't watched it, please, please go and watch it. I'm such a huge fan of it. But you were talking, both of you, about the idea that being at home actually sometimes is better than any other invitation. All
0: the time, and he- all the time.
1: <laughs> and he was saying about, I love the fact that I'm at home. My belly is full of pasta, and I've got a bottle of half a bottle of wine left to go. Yeah. And I think there's something in that for, for a lot of us. Actually, mm-hmm. that is pure heaven.
0: I always feel like, oh, my God, everyone's out at these parties or in my industry, these events that are sort of meant to mean something. And should I be seen at these things more? Should I be going out? Should I push myself? Like, I'm always worried. I remember Dawn French saying on one of the first episodes of Happy Place that there's a definition or that there's a, there's a sort of a marker for her of when she's retreated from life versus when she's just content and, I, and I'm and i always worried like have I retreated or am I just really content and I'm sometimes not sure but I think the more people I've talked to during lockdown like Ricky Gervais and also Scroobius Pip on another episode who both love being at home it's like well maybe that just is okay like you know people weren't going to parties a hundred years ago unless you were like from an upper class family you just were at home and then you worked and you fed your children and you went to bed. So there's this weird pressure. I've got to be doing all this stuff and partying and out. And it's like, there've only been a few occasions where I'd say I'm happier than when I've been at home. And they've been like my best friend's wedding, which was an absolute riot, a couple of lovely family things at my auntie's house or barbecues at family's houses. But, but all the parties where I don't really know that many people and I half know someone, I've got home and thought, why did I bother doing that? What a waste of time. I would have much rather been at home watching Afterlife, eating some nice food with Jesse, like every day. So I think people just feel the fear about that more than desperately wanting to be be out partying. Unless you are an out-and-out extrovert, which is perfectly brilliant, and you vibe off other people and that is your tonic. But for me, it's not. It drains me and I need to have alone time. Or quiet time. And I think a lot of people, certainly we know a lot of our readers, that is really meaningful to
1: them because one of our one of the articles that performs really well is something about Jomo, which is the joy of missing out, which is actually just a love bit that, of self care, being yeah. at home.
0: So We need it. We're tired. Life's exhausting. Just chill out when you're at home and enjoy it. Yeah. If only we could just Get those phones a little bit further out of our
1: lives as well, I think we'd be a
0: lot more this is rested. What we need to do are bloody lootly. I turn mine off every night, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it just goes off. Bye-bye. That's great. Just off completely. Yeah, otherwise I'll keep looking. So I'm like a child, I have to remove the temptation.
1: So we're gonna to end today with our question, which is if you could meet Fern ten years from now, what <clears> do you hope she would say to you?
0: I hope she would say that I am currently on the right path. And I don't mean that necessarily in purely um, what I'm doing in my career, but just in life, you know, like the areas that I'm personally exploring, the thoughts that I'm having, the people that I'm meeting, that that's, you know, I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm not forcing anything too much. And also that I hope I hope me in 10 years is much more confident in being very honest with others, but also myself, having the confidence to go, you know what, I really don't want to do that job. It might seem like a good idea to other people and they really want me to, or whatever it might be, but I am confident in myself knowing it's not right for me because I'm not quite there yet with that one. And I hope the fern in 10 years will be really robust and go no no I know what I like and it's not that um and and equally be able to talk to people in an honest way without feeling embarrassed or like I'm you know letting people down so I would hope that I would that I would encourage myself to to keep doing that more know that it, it there's no great risk in that and if you saw Fern from 10 years ago do you
1: think that she'd feel today's Fern is on that journey
0: I think you should be very shocked because when I was 28 I was still kind of doing all sorts of stuff that I certainly have no interest in today and um, uh, you know I didn't have much respect for my body and how I ate and I drank loads and none of it felt natural but I kind of just thought every other 20 year old 20 something's doing this so I'll just do it and equally with work I wasn't I didn't speak up for myself enough and I, and I regret some of those moments and, um, and it's certainly, you know, today I'm much more confident in, in doing that and saying to someone, I, I I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable in doing that. Whereas I didn't before, um, and, you know, I don't drink. I maybe have like one drink every four or five months. Um, Cause it just, I don't enjoy it very much. And I don't think I ever did. Um, so yeah, I think I'd be shocked <clears throat> as to, where I'm at today and that I'm content uh, in this way. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all interesting, isn't it? It's a, a decade, a lot happens in a decade. And um, <clears throat> I think it's how you react to it and, and what you learn from it. And there's so much to learn constantly.
1: We're always just evolving, aren't we, and learning mm. every single day, and especially through lockdown. So,
0: absolutely, thank
1: you so much for talking to us during lockdown. And pleasure, it's been lovely. And hope you get just a little bit of alone time.
0: Oh my god, I'm going to bed at about eight thirty tonight. I'm reading a brilliant book, and I'm going to just literally shut off my phone, and my kids will be asleep by then. I hope, and that is me done. Heaven, well enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: A big thank you to Fern for joining us today. And if you haven't already, check out the Happy Place podcast, which is now in its seventh brilliant season. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love it if you could rate, review and share using the hashtag I am, I have. It helps other people to find us and we read every comment you write. And please check out past episodes. There are now over 40 to choose from. If you'd like to find out more about mental health and well-being, please download our free Happiful app to read our magazine and search for local therapists in your area as well as support groups. And if you need support immediately, you can call The Samaritans 24 hours a day on 116 123 or email joe at samaritans.org. Emotional listening support is also available through The Help Hub and find out more at helphub.co.uk please reach out. Help is available. This podcast has been produced by Happiful and Fresh Air Production. Please join us again soon.